Y'all danced after 12, so y'all gotta give me a little time. So I'll try to uh, expedite this and abbreviate this and, or at least find a way to chop it in half. We can get part of it today and part of it next week. We'll do that. Amen. Amen. I receive it, sir. I receive it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's open our Bibles to a very familiar place of Scripture. Very familiar place. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. I'm going to read um, two verses there. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I'll leave it in my pocket. If you want it in my pocket, I'll leave it in my pocket. Praise God. Jeremiah 29, verse, I'm going to start at verse 10. Verse 10. Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and 11. Very familiar to you. Stand if you desire. If you don't desire, you can sit. Doesn't make me a difference. Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and 11. Y'all have that? Okay, I'm going to read from the, new, from the New King James Version. If you don't have that particular version, it'll be on the screen in front of you. Okay, so let's read together. Ready, read. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Media, if you'll give me uh, give me the uh, NIV version of that. The NIV version of this. I may not read that one again, but I want the NIV right now. And let's read that together. Ready? Read. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and Father, we thank you today for the word that we're about to receive. I pray that, God, you give me divine utterance from heaven. Let me speak forth revelation and insight and wisdom that comes directly from your throne. And I pray, Father, that every person in this room has hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts to receive the seed of the word that's sown today. And I thank you that, God, there will be a multiplied harvest in our lives on this word today. We declare it so. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, you may take your seats today. You put the Jeremiah 29 11 back up on the, in the NIV. In the NIV, it said, For I know the what? Plans. The plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and future. Three times in that verse, you see the word plan or plans. 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 So today I want to talk on the subject yielding to God's plan. Yielding to God's plan. Plan. Can you say that? Yielding, Yielding to, God's to God's plan. Now, Wednesday night, if you remember, um, those of you that are here, and if you weren't here, I'm sure you watched online. Uh, I, I taught a message entitled, The Purpose, Prosperity, Connection. The Purpose, Prosperity, Connection. I taught you. I made, made sure you all understood. Apostle Wanda, good to see you, too. I didn't mean to overlook you. God bless you. God bless you. Um, the purpose, prosperity, connection. So I taught you on Wednesday night how God has no problem with prosperity. Right? The only people who have pro problems with prosperity is the church or people in the world when it comes to the church. But prosperity is God's idea for you. Say God's, God's prosperity is his idea for my life. Okay? 
So I taught you that there is a connection, though, between your purpose and prosperity. So when you discover your divine purpose, it now aligns you with God's plan, and now you can receive his prosperity in your life. I told you this, your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. Your prosperity is divinely connected to your purpose. Now let's look at Job 36 verse 11. We saw that Wednesday night, and this is our base scripture Wednesday night. In fact, the last two Wednesdays, I taught you prior to that, I taught you on the maturity prosperity connection. Because you've got to grow up. Tell your neighbor, you've got to grow up. Amen. Uh, three of our girls, well, our, our three girls, we have three girls and a son. Our three girls, they can all take our cars and drive them now. But, then they do. And, but, but five or six, seven, ten years ago, we wouldn't just let them take our cars. They, they, because they weren't mature enough. So there are things we can release to them now that they weren't, uh, they weren't ready for before. So we have to grow up in God. Amen? Because God does not waste. He only pours. And so he's not going to waste on people who are not mature enough to handle what he gives them. So we've got to grow up. But secondly, I taught you on last Wednesday that you must begin to align yourself with God's will for your life, his purpose for your life. And we saw the scripture in Job 36, verse 11, where it says, if they obey and what? Serve him, they shall spend their days barely getting by. They shall spend their days how? In what? And their years in what? Did you say pleasures? Right, not pleasure. Pleasures. Make sure you get it. These, these words matter, right? These words matter. So our days in prosperity and our years in pleasures. Now, the, 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 the qualification for that is that uh, we must obey and serve him. This, this is simple math. I had an old friend who used to say this. I, know, I just understand. Simple math. This is obedience plus service equals prosperity and pleasures. And many people want to have the sum without the add-ins. You need the add-ins. The things that come before the equal sign. Mahogany, are you laughing at me? You need the add-ins that give you the sum. So obedience and service. So we talked about it's one thing to obey God. Thank God you're not fornicating. Thank God you're not smoking all the weed you can. Thank God you're not, you know, doing all that kind of stuff anymore. You're obeying him now. Praise God. But are you serving him? Have you found your purpose? Have you found God's plan for your life? Because it's there once you find God's plan for your life, now you're in line for days in prosperity. Not tax refund prosperity. Not bi-weekly paycheck where you can finally go to Chick-fil-A because it's the second Tuesday of the month. No, 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 no. That's not God's plan for your life. Tell your neighbor, that's not God's plan for your life. It's not God's plan for you to be five days late on your rent. It's not God's plan. It's not God's plan for you to have a wibbly wobbly car with ball tires. Smoking. 
You don't park anywhere. To, you, you take your child to school, the child tell you to park down the street. <laughs> Mama just parked down the street, drop me off. I'm going to walk the rest of the way. And I'm not picking on nobody if you're there because I've been there. But I found out that that was not God's plan for my life. That's not God's plan for our lives. So when we find out his plan for our lives, his plans are good. So now I adjust myself. I must yield myself to his plans. Y'all got this here. So I taught you about how in Luke 8, 3, how Jesus Christ fulfilled God's purpose in his life, right? And then we saw in Luke 8, 3, how the Bible says, and these women came, these are wealthy women who came and ministered to him of their substance. So because he walked in God's purpose, he fulfilled God's plan, God took care of him. He spent his days. This is how I, how I know Jesus Christ could not have been poor. And when you hear any preacher, any denomination, anybody try to convey to you the idea that Jesus Christ was poor, turn him off. I got three amens on that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about y'all. Anytime you hear anybody push the idea that Jesus Christ or his disciples were poor, turn them off because they don't know their Bible. He was not poor. There's no way a man who, could, who kept all the commandments could not have blessings come on him and overtake him. The same scripture you stand on, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 through 14, he stood on. The same verse in Job 36, verse 11, which says if you, if you obey him and serve him, you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure is the same scripture he knew. And God's not going to treat you and me, foreigners, strangers, better than he treat, treated his own only begotten son. Y'all got this here. All right, so he obeyed and he served his father, so he had to function in prosperity. Philippians 2, uh, verse 8, I want you to see that here. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Jesus Christ, he was being found in appearance as a man. Now, I'm moving fast. You don't, you don't have time to find these scriptures here. But they're putting them on the screen so you, can, so you know I'm not lying to you. I'll tell you when to open your Bible. We are going to open our Bible. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He became obedient to the point of death, even, even the death of, he went so far as the death of the cross. Why does it say that? Because Jesus Christ, he lived under Roman rule. And crucifixion was not brand new, it was not a brand new method of death when Jesus came along. He knew that this is how they dealt with their worst criminals. So the, even, the point, even the point of the death of the cross, he knew he would have to go through crucifixion, which is a horrible. I, I, I believe on the first Sunday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, um, communion Sunday, I'm going to really lay out, I'm, I'm thinking about it, what he really went through. Because I'm not sure if believers understand what he really went through. We kind of have a Hollywood idea of Jesus and his suffering. And so we, that, that's why sometimes we take our salvation for granted. That's why people kind of live half saved. Because you don't know half of what he did for you. But if you really understood what Jesus went through just for you and me to be alive today. You wouldn't let some short skirt 
low top floozy. I'll move on. If you really knew even the death of the cross. All right, there's another subject here. So he went to that point. Remember in, in, in Gethsemane when he said, nevertheless, he said, Lord, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will. Come on, help me out. But your will be done. What was he saying? He's saying, really, not my plan, but your plan be done. He submitted himself to the will of God, which was the plan of God. Can you say the plan of God? I know out there in the world is some secular song, God's plan. And I was almost going to title this God's plan. I said, no, I ain't going to give him in the world no credit. No. I want to sound like the world. We just get all hyped up on that, trying to sound like the world. I don't want to sound like the world. The world is dead to me, and I'm dead to the world. So not my plan, but your plan for my life. So go to Hebrews 10. You can open your Bible here. Oh, Hebrews 10. Y'all know how to find Hebrews when I'm telling you open your Bible? Okay. Go, go to the back of the book to Revelation and work your way back towards the front. All right, so you go from Hebrews to James and First uh, and Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, Jude, Revelation. So I, I went, so you know how far to go back, right? So Hebrews ten, verse five through seven, because the reason that Jesus Christ is exalted today because he submitted himself to the will of God, to God's plan. Look at Hebrews ten, verse five. It says, "Therefore, when he, this is Jesus, came into the world, he said." Sacrifice an offering you did not desire. In other words, God had enough of that. Remember, that's what they used to do in the, under the old covenant. Okay? He said, but a body you have prepared for me. So God, God had a plan. In fact, you remember, you remember in the Bible says in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ is the lamb slain from, or we could say before, but it's from the foundation of the world, which means that before the world was formed, God already had in his plan, in his mind, a lamb slain. Y'all help me out here. He already had in his mind a lamb slain. So even though he was disappointed at Adam and Eve's sin, he wasn't shocked. He was already prepared. And just as Jesus Christ was a uh, spirit as the Father, God is a spirit, Jesus said that a body you have prepared for him. Now, that's, there's, two, there's two meanings to that. One, he prepared a physical body for Jesus, for him to uh, enter into, for his spirit to go inside this physical body, but he also, also prepared an outer body being Mary. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh, he just added a third meaning. That we are the body of Christ. So God in his foresight already saw you before the beginning of time. Which means he had a plan for your life before the beginning of time. Y'all hang on to your britches, okay? He says, verse 6, verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Verse 7. Then I said, behold, I have come. 
listen to this, in the volume of the, or the totality of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O oh God. He says, so the whole scriptures from Genesis all the way to the, to the book of Malachi is all written about him. What he saw was the will of God, the plan of God. So when Jesus Christ shows up on the scene here and he begins his earthly ministry, but before he begins his earthly ministry, rather, he spends time going through the book. Remember he told the Pharisees, he says, you all go through the scripture, he says, you study the scripture, he says, in them you think you have life. He says, but they are speaking of me. So he went and he found out the will of God. How do we know this? I can prove it to you because when Jesus was 12 years old, they were celebrating a feast. And when they left the feast of Passover that time, going back to Jerusalem, going back to their homes rather, they looked for Jesus Christ as a 12-year-old boy. His parents did. They thought he was with family. You know how you travel with family in the caravan. And they couldn't find him. So they went back three days' journey to find him. And they found him there at the temple asking and answering questions. And when they finally got to him, they said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, did you not know? Didn't you know? Come on, y'all, wake up, wake up. He said, didn't you know? I must be about my father's business. Didn't Y'all didn't study the scriptures? You didn't see God's plan for my life? So he knew the plan because he learned the plan. He found God's plan. Y'all getting this here? All right. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, we're going to, let's go back to Jeremiah 29 here. Jeremiah 29. That's what I'm going to lay out for you today and probably Wednesday about this plan for your life. Okay? God only has good plans for his people. Did you hear what I said? God only has good plans for his people. God only has good plans for his people. God's plan for your life is good. Now, what you got to understand is that in that plan, the plans might call for some things that don't feel good. For example, if you had, if you went and bought some old house, my wife is a is a um, uh, proponent of uh, what arts and crafts, what is it, craftsman style houses, and so you know her her ultimate thing is to have is to build an arts and crafts I think stuff. That's not my cup of tea, but you know I've learned to just do that. <laughs> Come on, husbands, husbands, am I right? Just. <laughs> and so. And so um, we, we bought one of those houses years ago, and in buying that house, we wanted to renovate and do some things. And so we had a plan for it, but the plans involved some destruction first. The plan, the end goal, the expected end was something beautiful, but in the midst of it, there is some ugliness. Because sometimes you will go through the ugly to get to the beauty. So don't quit when things feel or they look ugly. He's getting you to the beauty. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, now, so because there's good plans for our lives, that's why I told you this came out a couple weeks ago about something good is going to happen to you. Something good is going to happen to you. Something good, something good is going to happen to you because that's God's plan. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. It's for something good, for everything about your life to be good, to be good. And when I say good, I don't mean good enough. I mean good. You read Genesis chapter 1 when God went through in the six days of creation and he began to create all these things. He didn't say that's good enough. He said it is good. And what he meant by it is good is what I see matches what I saw. Oh, man. Right? He created this, created this, created this, and he says, and he saw it, and it was very good. He saw it, and it was very good. He saw it, and it was good. So what he saw with his eyes now match what he saw with his mind. So God's not trying to give you a good enough life. I'm going to come over here because they didn't say anything. He's not trying to give you a good enough life. He wants to give you a good life. Y'all know one of my favorite scriptures, Ephesians 2.10, that God has prearranged and made ready this good life for us to live. In the Amplified class, we talked about that. So there's a good life he has for us, and so when I say something good is going to happen to you, it's because that's God's plan. Okay, now watch this. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 10, let me go, go back here. Jeremiah 29 verse 10. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, verse... 10, it says here, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my what? My good word to you and cause you to return to this place. So I want you to note that God's people were in, at this time, Babylonian captivity. Okay? Now, that might not sound so wonderful, but if you go back and study the historical data about this, this was to save them. Those of you that went through Bible, Old Testament and a survey in the Bible school, you learned this. Yes, that this was part of his plan to save a remnant because if they had not gone into captivity, they would have been destroyed. They would have been annihilated. So the captivity was a, was a saving of a remnant. And you'll see that not everyone went because some were in rebellion. The whole reason why they were in this mess was because of their king being in rebellion. And so God spared some of them by, by uh, causing them to be made captives in Babylon. So when you read about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you remember those guys? Hallelujah. Those were part of those captives there. Jeremiah, these people, they were, they were captives. They were, they were uh, you read about Isaiah's writings, Ezekiel's writing. They were all writing at the same time. This is, this is one composite story that we have of people who were in a place that they didn't want to be, but God had them there to spare them. So this morning, you may not be in a place where, God, where you want to be, but trust that God has you there to spare you. I wish I had a little bit more um, volume or something. So another reference, I don't, I don't have time to, to read it, but you remember Joseph. Joseph in the book of Genesis, right around verse chapter 37 or so. Joseph has these dreams, and his, his brothers want to kill him. And their plan is to kill him. 
but God has put a dream in him and God has a plan for him. So God's plan overrode the brother's plan and what happened, Joseph ended up a slave. Nobody wants to be a slave. If he wasn't a slave, he would have been dead. Y'all, y'all, oh, help me get this. If he hadn't been a slave, he would have been dead. Glory to God. Sometimes what you think is a bad situation is God saying, no, I, I snatched you out to spare your life. So, 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 immediately, put up a scripture for me, please. Put up a scripture. It's a very, very, um, uh, it's a minor prophet, so you may not know what it is. The book of Micah, Micah, M-I-C-A-H, Micah 4.10. Micah 4.10. I want you to see this, that God has a plan to save you. Micah 4.10. Look, listen to what it says. You can all see it on the screen? He says, this is Micah the prophet who writes, he's writing at the same time. He says, be in pain and labor to bring forth O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pangs. Keep going, please. For now you shall go forth from the city, being, being Jerusalem, you shall dwell in the field, and to Babylon you shall, you see what's happening? He says to Babylon you shall go. Keep going. There you shall be delivered. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. So if they had stayed back in Jerusalem, they would have died. He says, but I'm sending you to Babylon to be delivered. So it may not feel like the place you want to be, but God says, hold on, I have a plan. Because if I don't snatch you out of where you are a lot, y'all didn't catch me. If I don't snatch you out of where you are a lot, you will die with all the rest of them. But I have a plan. I have a covenant. I have a promise to keep. And I'm going to snatch you. And you're going to go to a place that may not feel comfortable right now. That's why your Bible says in the book of Psalms that God, you allowed men to ride over our heads. You allowed us to go through the fire, but you brought us out into a wealthy place. God allowed some things to happen in your life that were uncomfortable to you, but that wasn't the end plan. That was the breaking down to save you, to spare you, because what you left was about to go down. Y'all not doing me right. I said, y'all not doing me right. What he brought you out of, he knew was about to go down. God went and saved Lot and his wife and his family. Now, his sons-in-law didn't have enough sense to go with him. And if you, read, if you read Lot's story, we read about the two daughters who went with him, but I believe, based on Scripture, that he left two daughters behind. That he must have had at least four daughters because two of those daughters left with him and the two that were married to the sons-in-law who were stupid, they stayed back. They didn't have enough sense to follow a man who heard the voice of God. And they stayed somewhere where God was trying to bring them out of because they knew if they left, they had all their wealth in, 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 in Sodom. They had all their prosperity in Sodom. They had all their houses in, in Sodom. They had all their land. They had all their friends. And they knew if they left, they'd have to start over. But it's better to start over and live. 
Anybody here ever had to start over from scratch? Thank God you start over, but that your start is not your end. He brought you out to bring you in. He brought you out of trouble to take you into your wealthy place. You're not going to stay here where you are. It might feel rough right now, but it's only temporary. For God, sit down. Because God says in Jeremiah 29 verse 10, he says, but after 70 years be accomplished. Which means God has already put a time frame. I wish I got somebody in the back who got this. God has a time frame on your deliverance. I used to hear one songwriter say, I'm so glad trouble don't last always. Tell somebody trouble don't last always. Tell, tell, tell somebody else who looks like, like they want to hear it. Trouble don't last always. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy is coming in the morning. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, I, I want to give you a little more background. Go, you, you, go back to Jeremiah. And go to Jeremiah 24. Because God has a plan. God has a plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is not, God is not making things up as he goes. You and I may have done that here and there, but God is not making things up as he goes. God's not shocked at at, at elections, God's not shocked. At inflation, God's not shocked. At, at things increasing, God's not shocked at things falling apart. God knows these things, and he already provides for them. God's not shocked that somebody walked out on your life. It might have shocked the sugar out of you, but God already knew it. And it might just be, and it might just be, that God was separating you like we heard last Sunday from that mixture. From those who could not go with you where God wanted you to go. So he had to cut folk off. Cut off some friends. Cut off some family. Cut off some neighbors. Cut off some folk who were wrong for you so he could save you. I said so he could save you. I don't know if y'all catching that yet. So he could save you. Some of the things God delivered you from is so he could save you. The Bible says we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Literally puts it this way, we have been delivered, we are being delivered, and we will be delivered. So there are some things, even though you are already delivered from sin, are ready to deliver from hell, but there are some things in your life that he needs to deliver you from, like poverty and, 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 and bad thinking and bad ideology and... Widow spirits and all that kind of stuff that's going to hold you down. Can somebody say amen? amen? Jeremiah 24 verse 1. Let me know when you get there by saying hallelujah. hallelujah. Jeremiah 24 verse 1. I'm going to go through verse 7. Y'all got it? Yes, it? says the Lord showed me. This is Jeremiah the prophet talking. The Lord showed me and there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. After Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon had carried away Captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah with the craftsmen and smiths from Jerusalem and brought them to Babylon. Are you seeing this here? This is what Micah prophesied about. Got it? 
verse 2. Now, remember, he's, he's seeing a vision of a basket or baskets. <laughs> One basket had, a, had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe. And the other basket had very bad figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. Then the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? Same thing he asked him in chapter 1. At the very beginning of his ministry, Jeremiah, what do you see? God always tests you on what you can see. Because he's always trying to find those who will see what he sees. Who've raised themselves up, matured to a level that we see. On, that You know, you and I can see eye to eye with God. Oh, man, that just came out of the Holy Ghost. Do you know you and I can see eye to eye with God? Doesn't your Bible say in the 55th chapter of Isaiah that his ways are not your ways and his thoughts are not your, your thoughts? Right? But doesn't it say forsake your ways? And forsake your thoughts. It means what he wants you to do is come up to his level where you, where God and you can speak eye to eye. We see things eye to eye. We come into agreement with him. So he says, what do you see? And he said, um, hallelujah. Verse uh, 3. And I said, I, uh, figs, the good figs, very good, and the bad, very bad, which cannot be eaten. They are so bad. Now, I'm not going to deal with all, I'm just going to deal with the, the good right here. Verse 4, listen to God's phrases, his vocabulary, his terminology here. Verse 4, again the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah, whom I have sent out of this place for their own good. Uh, I sent them out of this place for God will snatch you out for your own good. Anybody here can testify that God has snatched you out of some things in your life? Some of you got snatched out of a certain church. Some of you got snatched out of a family. Some of you got snatched out of a neighborhood. Some of you got snatched out of a school. Some of you got snatched out of where you were. And he said, I did it for their own good. He says, remember what he says at the beginning of verse 5. I will acknowledge those who are carried away. I will acknowledge Regard those who are carried away captive, whom I have sent out of this place for their own good. Into the land of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans is another word for Babylonians. Okay? So don't get it confused. These are Babylonians. Verse 6. Verse 6. Verse 6. For I will set my eyes on them for good. So his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me, but he's watching me for good. He's watching me not, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. He's not watching you to see how many mistakes you make. He's not watching you with a belt or whip in his hand waiting to strike you when you make a mistake. 
He's watching you for good. He's watching you because he has you on his mind and he has plans to bring good into your life. So because he's watching you for good, he has to direct your path into good. And when something that's not good comes along, he has to swat it out of the way or move you out of the way. Because most of us don't have enough natural sense to avoid danger. I'm talking about our grown up selves. We still don't have enough natural sense to discern evil and good. So God has to do those, some things for us many times by swatting away the evil that's coming or moving us out of the pathway. So I, I, he said, I'll, I will set my eyes on them for good. So God is looking on you for good. He's looking on you with good intentions. Uh, give me a few more minutes, a few more, few more minutes, please. He says, and I will bring them back, back to this land. I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then I will give them a heart to know me. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh, hallelujah. Y'all read that whole verse again. Read it, read it. Ready, go. They shall return to me with their whole heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, there's a scripture that just came to me, and I want to put my eyes on it. Um, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all just hold on a second. Hold on a second. Okay, maybe that's chapter 11, let me see. Hallelujah. I, I'm going to call it out because I'm sure some one of y'all know it, that um, it's got to be Romans 9 or 11, talking about how the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Hallelujah. I believe it's chapter 9 or 11. Thank you, Lord. I'll just talk about it and when they find, huh? Oh, chapter 2, verse 4? Okay, I was way off. Okay, Romans 2, 4. Look at this. Now, remember, what I'm saying is because of Jeremiah 24, verse, verse 7, because he talked about for your good, setting his eyes on you for good, and then verse 7 says, he'll give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. They shall return to me with their whole heart. They shall return to me with their whole heart. They shall return to me with their whole heart. So now look at Romans 2, 4. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing, watch this, that the what? Goodness of God leads you to repentance. Can you see that? I know, I know I didn't have the scripture right, but can you, can you just accept it here? That, 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 that God puts a good plan together. He wants to bring good in your life to bring you to repentance. So he's not looking at you with a whip. It, it, 
when you first get saved and if you get into a religious kind of church, you'll get into that kind of old mindset like we used to be down walking down the street on the sidewalk and had this little thing you say, step on a crack and break your mama's back. Right? So you walk and walk and you skip over the little crack in the sidewalk. You skip over because, you know, you want to step on a crack, break your mama's back. And you kind of had this walking on eggshell mentality. You ever been in a house with somebody you got to walk on eggshells because you know the slightest little... Don't, 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 don't testify too loud. Don't, don't, you, 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 is it on eggshells because the slightest thing going to set them off? And if you get a condemnation mindset and eat or a, a, a hard, austere man, God mindset. Remember that man had that? When uh, Jesus tells a parable about the man who gave his goods to the one, gave one talent, two talent, and five talents, and the one guy had the one talent, he went and hid it. He says, because I knew you were an austere or you were a hard man. And he had it all wrong. He wasn't a hard man. See, but if you have a wrong idea of God, if you have a wrong image of God, that's why fathers, we got to be tender with our children. I'm going to come back over here. I said, fathers, we must be tender with our children because they get their image of the Father God from us. You can't beat them all the time when they mess up and never reward them when they're doing something well. You don't go looking for all their mess-ups and never go looking for all their, their, their accolade-worthy things. I'm going to clap myself because y'all are... That's good, Pastor. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Pastor. That's good. That's good. You create an austere man mindset because they learn about God from you. And if there's no mom, no father around and mamas, you got to make sure you give them the right image of, of parenthood. So he says, do you not know that the riches of God forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. God is trying to lead you to repentance, but part of his plan is to show you his goodness. Are y'all still with me here? Ah, oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So notice again what happens. He says, I brought them out of Jerusalem into Babylon to preserve them, okay? Now, let's look at another scripture here. Y'all turn in your Bibles, Psalm 121, because I want you to see God's plan for you. Psalm 121, how much he does to preserve you for his plan. How many of y'all know that, that the Bible says the gifts and callings are without repentance? The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Which means that when God releases gifts and callings unto you, he doesn't take them back if you mess up. I, I got to tell you, I've had to encourage myself with that because the devil has tried to beat me and buffet me about and make me feel like I'm disqualified because of my past. See, because, see, see you, can I be real with you? I, I, I remember there, there was, I grew up in a very Christian household. I mean, a strong Christian household, faith. Uh, Christian, I mean, Holy Ghost, holiness, household. And so my parents passed away. I, I got saved after they passed away, a couple, you know, a few years later. And, and so, um, uh, y'all, I'm not sure if y'all can handle this. 
there were things I did after I got saved that were worse than the things that I did before I got saved. I know y'all can be all rooted to the fresh and fruity. But I'm just telling you, there were things I did after I got saved that were worse than some things I did before I got saved. Because after I got saved at 17 years old, all of a sudden now I got a car and, a, and, a, and a my own place and freedom. And Come on now. You... I've repented already. Don't, don't look at me like that. I've already repented. I'm already right with God. It's, already, it's all coming under the blood again. I'm just telling you how it was. And so the devil tries to, tries to bring those things back to me often. I, don't, I didn't say he used to. I said he tries to still to this day very often to remind me of those stupid things I did that I'm ashamed of now. I did them in the past, but he tries to make me feel like I'm disqualified from God using me today because of what I did back then. But the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So the plan God had for me before my mother met my father did not change because I messed up in my walk with God. Hallelujah. 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 So God has a plan. I said God has a plan. When you were out there smoking weed, God still had a plan. When you out there climbing in windows, climbing out of windows, God still had a plan. When you were parked in the back in the alley at night with the tent, when the windows all rolled up, God still had a plan. When you were bar hopping and hoe hopping, God still had a plan. just took some time before you answered the call. So what God does is he pulls us out of situations, out of scenarios, out of circumstances to preserve us. Look at Psalm 121. Psalm 121. I'm, I'm going to finish here in a few minutes here. Psalm 121 verse 5. Look at what it says. The Lord the Lord is your keeper. Oh my. The Lord is your keeper. Some situations I was in, I should, man, one time I was in a situation, man, but I was somewhere I shouldn't have been. I should, I should have been somewhere. Oh my God. I was in, and I was in another town. Somewhere I shouldn't have been. Oh, Lord. And this big old monster dude came after me because he thought where I should have been, he's supposed to be. Y'all, I'm just, I'm just going to tell y'all the truth. He, he, he said where I was, he's supposed to be there. And so, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and, uh, and uh, boy, big old monster dude, big old football player dude. I'm, I'm in his town with all his football buddies. Now, I had a piece. But it was downstairs in the car. And it, wasn't, it, 
wasn't going to do me no good down there. All I knew was Jesus. 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 Now I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you where I was. I'm not there. You can't find anything in my closet. I don't have anything in my closet anymore. All the skeletons are out of my closet. No, no, I don't have I don't have that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you that God still knows how to keep you even when you don't keep yourself. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade, your protection at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Some of you know you should have lost your mind by now. But he preserved your soul. He, you kept your sanity because God kept you. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth even even forevermore. So God is interested in preserving you, in keeping and protecting you. So oftentimes to do that, he has to have things, there are things that will happen in your life that you may not understand. But he's got a plan. And you've got to learn how to trust God even when you don't know the plan. Instead of sitting there and sulking and crying and being depressed and saying, God, why did this happen to me? God, why is this happening to me? You need to say, God, I thank you that you are preserving my going out and you are preserving my coming in. You are my keeper, oh God. You are the shade upon my right hand. Thank you for protecting me. I don't know what you're keeping me from, but I thank you, God, that you have a plan in my life and I may not understand it. I may not know it all, but I will trust in the Lord until I die. Hallelujah. 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 Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Let me wrap up part A. Yeah, he's my keeper. He is my keeper. He is my keeper. There were times you were in the club and you, and you just all of a sudden got an urge to leave. You didn't, you didn't know what was coming. I'm talking about before you got saved, you don't, you don't get what I'm saying. Before you got saved, God already had his hand on you. I remember going, oh Lord. Talking about being in places I shouldn't have been. I remember going back and forth to these places, and I remember sometimes driving uh, 
four or five hours drive and being in places and, and not, not even knowing consciously how I got there or how I got back. I wasn't drunk because I, I never drunk, never smoked, never did any stuff like that, but I was asleep. I was, I was asleep. Because you go visit, but you still got to go to work. You still got to go to work. Y'all, y'all fooling me. You, you still got to go to work, so you just driving on E. But God kept me. I said God kept me. I said God kept me. All right, Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me, let me wrap this up here. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 in the ERV, easy to read version, easy to read version. Look at what it says. It says, God says, I say this because I know the plans that I have for you. This message is from the Lord. I have good plans for you. Plans, he says, I don't plan to hurt you. So if you're experiencing hurt or evil, it's not from God. And don't let any religious person tell you that that evil is from God. So that's not my plans. Now in my plans, I'll remove you from some place and you will feel uncomfortable at times, but it won't be evil. I'll never put you in evil. I'll never put you in something that hurts you. He says, I plan to give you a hope and a good future. A good future. Now, let me get through this here if I can. Because here's the question. Because if you read this about God's people, the Jews, is it God's plan to bless the Jews only or does he have good plans for you too? So I got to settle that. Just because I'm reading this about the Jews, it doesn't exempt me from his good plans. We've been grafted in. We've been brought in. And the plans that God has apply to all of us now. Let's read Psalm 33, verse 11 in the New King James Version. Psalm 33, verse 11. They got it on the screen for you. Notice what God says. It says, the word of the Lord says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans, come on, of his heart to all generations. To all generations. Now I want to read that same verse in the NIV, please. The NIV. It says it this way. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes. Purposes. I gave you this scripture in the NIV because I want you to see that word. Purposes of his heart through all generations. Because I was teaching you on the purpose prosperity connection. And I'm not going to have time to go into it today, but Wednesday night I'll get into that because we got to dig more into this purpose. Because the purpose gives foundation to the plans. Let me explain it this way. I'm, I'm about to have maybe Brother Joe help me maybe Wednesday night. Uh, I have the, 
it, I purpose in my heart, I believe it's from, from the Lord, that uh, I want to build a huge stage on the back lot back here. It's been in my heart for a long time, and I finally voiced it, that I want to build a huge stage. That's my purpose. What's the purpose? Because I want to be able to do outdoor events and concerts and uh, baptisms and all kind, of, all kind of ministry, outreach ministry that we want to do that so many people today, because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, aren't comfortable yet coming back into church. And plus, we can't hold all God wants to do for us yet. But we have a lot of land. And more land coming. So, so that gives us no limits. But because that's purpose in my heart, you can't just go out there and just build it. You have to have plans. So I talked to Brother Joe. I said, hey, here's my purpose. Here's my plan. And he said, okay, I'll work on the plans. Y'all missing it. I have the plan, which is the overall general idea, but you can't just, you got to have plans. So he's shown us, we, we, he, the plans are already done pretty much. Now we just do, make a couple modifications. These plans are, you know, I'm sitting there like, I don't understand anything I'm reading, but they're trying to explain it to me. You know, how, where the beams go and the bolts go and all this kind of, all this kind of stuff all laid out. We're going through all that kind of stuff. Y'all haven't seen that yet, but it's, it's there. It's all, it's all done. It's there. See, it was, it was, it started in here. Uh, let me change that. It started up there. He dropped it in here. When I say in here, I, you don't understand, I'm talking, including my heart in here, then I spoke it from here. Now I, you got people who, who, who now they can run with it. Habakkuk, is it Habakkuk 2-3? Give me that. Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk 2-3. Give me that. Habakkuk 2-3. See, see if, we, if we know our Bible a little bit. Habakkuk, H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. Habakkuk 2-3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. No, go, go, back, go back to verse 2. Verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So when the builders come along, the builders look at the plans. And they find their part of the plans. The electricians look at the electrical plan. The plumbers look at the plumbing plan. The HVAC or the mechanic people, that's for all your air conditioning, all that kind of stuff, they look at their part of the plan. Your masons look at their part of the plan. Anybody who's involved in the building process, they look at their part of the plans. So God has a general plan for his people, but he wants you to know your part of the plan. And as soon as you find your, because see, listen, as a plumber, I don't get paid unless I do my part of the plan. Well, that, that just, see, see, <laughs> he, he can go, go to the general contractor and say, hey, I want my money. I don't see any pipes anywhere. 
No, but I'm, I'm on the crew. No, but you didn't, you didn't, you didn't put any punch down. So just because you're in church doesn't mean you get paid. If, I'm going to close right here. If they obey and serve him, do your part of the plan, then you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here because we're going to get deeper. You know, can, I, can I do one more thing? Go back, go back to our main school, Jeremiah 29 11. Don't have any Miss Hattie. Y'all knew. Y'all already grabbed y'all purse. They already packed with their purse and shoes and everything. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Y'all know I'm never actually done, right? I'm never actually done. I just want to show you this because I, I think this, this will give you something to chew on until Wednesday. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he says, and I'm in the, in the New King James now. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now that word thoughts comes from the Greek word mahasaba, mahasaba. If I'm not saying it correctly, then you uh, Hebrew scholars just cut me some slack. Mahasaba, which means thought, device, plan. That's where all the translations get the word plan from. Purpose and invention. For I know the thought I think towards you. Or I know the, the devices I think towards you. Or I know the plans I think towards you. Or I know the purpose. Or I know the invention I think towards you. Now, I want to give you that word device from the dictionary. It's not from the Hebrew, it's from the dictionary. The word device, listen to this, means plan, method, or trick. Now, you know God's not about tricks, so just disregard that one. But I just want to just straight from the dictionary. Plan or method. So God has plan or a method. You know, you ever heard somebody say there's a method to the madness? So God is methodically moving you. I'll show you this Wednesday night, Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God is methodically moving you. Some of you who, you, you live in St. Peter all of a sudden, or live in this area all of a sudden, you're not really sure, well, how do I end up in this, this area? Well, things change, but the job closed down in, in, in Kentucky, and I end up in, in Florida. <laughs> you thought it was just about a job closing down? God was methodically moving you towards his plan, his purpose. Now, I'll close here. The word invention, we saw that in thoughts, right, Mahasaba. Invention, from the dictionary, means the act of bringing ideas or objects together in a novel or a new way, a fresh way, to create something that did not exist before. Now, you can stand to your feet. I'll let you chew on that. Leave that up. Leave it on the screen so they can see it. Leave it on the screen so they can see it. Some folk taking pictures because that's important. I want you to see that God, listen to me, listen to me. 
God is a creator God, which means he's inventive. That's why he told all the children of Israel in the book of Isaiah, I think it's chapter 43. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. In other words, I'm going to invent a new way to do this. So that means God, see, the devil will have you looking at how God did something for someone else and get you to try to duplicate that in your life. But God says, I'm a creator, God, I'm inventive. So my plan for you is an inventive plan. I'm not going to have you go the same way they went. I'm, I'm too big for that. I'm talking about God. God God's too big. He's, he's, too, he's, too, he's too wise. God, God knows too much to do everything the same way. I mean, how can a God, how can God give, we've, on this planet there are about almost 8 billion people with no matching fingerprints. How can God, and, and that means the, all the billions that have come before us have never had the same fingerprint. How can God in this little small area, just this little small, just this little small area, come up with billions and billions and billions of designs? Y'all not seeing this. Look, just look at your finger. I mean, your fingerprints don't match anybody else's fingerprints that's here now or who's ever been here or who will ever come. That means God. I, I think it's, Rome, it's uh, Romans 11, 33. I think it says, Oh, the depths of the wisdom and the riches of God. Oh, the, yeah. Oh, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. If God can create billions and billions and billions of fingerprints, he's got billions of ways to make you a billionaire before the end of next month. He does not have to pattern your life after anybody else's life to get you where he wants you to be. He's an inventive God. I know the inventions I think towards you. Inventors of peace, not of evil. God's going to invent some more prosperity for you. He's going to, y'all, y'all getting that. I wish I had somebody who was open-minded to that. God's going to do something totally new for you. Tell you that, but God's going to do something totally new for you. Something totally fresh in your life. Fresh, 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 fresh. He's going to do something fresh in your life. God for your parents and your foreparents, but God's going to do something fresh. Thank God for pastors and leaders, but thank, he, he can do something so fresh in your life. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> if I didn't get in trouble with all my word of faith people, I'd say this. God's got some new tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> get in trouble in the word of faith camp if I said God, God's got tricks. But it just simply means methods. God's got whole new methods, whole, whole new ways. So you and I, when you and I come up with ideas, have y'all ever given God an idea 
of how to bless you, how to, how to, how to open the door, how to make the way the thing that you believe in. Have you ever given God an idea? You know why he don't take them? Because you already thought about it. It might have been a good idea before you thought about it, but once you thought about it, he said, no, I ain't going to do that. You ever, you, ever, you ever met people like that? That you give them a good idea, and they say, no. And they know it's a good idea because it didn't come from them. So what you have to do is make them think it was their idea. You ever done that? Come on now. Husbands, wives, you ever done that? You ever make them think? And they, they tell you that. You're like, you know what that, that is. You're right. That's a good idea. I wish I wish I'd thought about that. Well, our Father God is not jealous like that. No, no, he's not trying to do anything like that to that degree. You understand what I'm saying? But my point to you is God... His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His inventions are above our, our, our... I need to go check to see if that's the same word in, in Isaiah 55, 7 and 8. Because that would be interesting if that's the same word. Because that would mean his inventions are above our, our inventions. So forsake your inventions. See? If, if it's the same word, i got to check it. But I just want to leave you with this today. And we'll get back into it Wednesday night. God has a marvelous plan for your life. When I was growing up, we used to watch a TV show called The A-Team. How many remember The A-Team? B.A. Baracus. Remember Mr. T and all them? And the guy in charge with the cigar, I forgot his name. Hannibal, Hannibal. He always do it. When they finally got everything, he's always say, I love it when a plan comes together. And God loves it when a plan, but for that to happen, he has to get us on the same page with him. I'm going to show you that Wednesday night. I'm going to walk you through scripture, what God is doing to get us working with him and his plan. Amen. Will you come back Wednesday night? Amen. Father, today, thank you for the word we've received. I thank you for each person who's heard the word. I pray that, God, every person in this room would be open to your plans. Lord, truth be told, we've had all kinds of plans, and none of them worked. None, none of them worked. Our plans always ended up in something worse than we were before. And so, Lord, I pray that your people today, every one of us, would learn how to yield ourselves to your plan. Because your plan is perfect. Your plan is flawless. Your plan is marvelous, beautiful. And I pray that God, everyone today yields. Some of us who've been maybe in the way a long time and been so set in our ways and it hadn't worked, we yield to your plan. Some of us who are fresh, brand new into this walk of faith, and God, I remember our plans from the world. They didn't work. So, Lord, let them come in right away, yielding to your plan. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, your plans for us would be manifest in our lives and that, God, we'd experience the wonderful good life you planned for us to enjoy, the days in prosperity, and all of our years in pleasures. Walk in all your favor, your goodness. Now, God, part of your plan 
required Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to give everything that you had for us, to take our sins upon himself. And that plan that Jesus carried out was to give us opportunity today to know Jesus, to know you, him as Lord and Savior God. So I pray that even now, those in this place who don't know Jesus Christ, that God's something in their hearts will reach out to you right now and say that I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Now I pray today, even as I open this altar, that someone, under the sound of my voice, will yield to your greater plan and give their lives to Jesus. Even now, I thank you so. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's somebody in this room today, you're not yet born again. You don't know Jesus Christ.